Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek to Supernatural and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Pop Culture and Fandom News. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and this week I am joined by Carla from Bedwetter Behead and Paula, my co-host for our upcoming podcast, It's a Dean Thing, which I have been editing the trailer today and all up in my, all up in my business. That's not exactly at all. Wow, Aaron, like, keep it to yourself. <laughs> That'd be a very weird way to record a trailer. <laughs> I'm all up in myself. Professional podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing this for four years now, everybody. Going in my fifth year. Yeah. Not there yet, but we'll be five years. That This is an important, Aaron. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now about nonsense, and I am going to ask Carla... What is one thing in fandom or pop culture that you're into right now, other than this? Other than this, my little recent pop culture obsession is the mean gaze. And it's a a TikTok skit, a recurring TikTok skit by two people, Aaron Goldberg, Goldenberg, sorry, and Jake Jones. And they are hilarious. They're all these skits about two gay guys who give you like the most backhanded compliments and who kind of, you know, look you up and down and they're like, "Mm, you look nice today, but it sounds like the meanest thing you've ever heard in your life. I'm obsessed with them. Every time I see a TikTok or a reel with them, I'm just like giddy staring at it. And I find out, I found out that they do cameo as well. So I think I might at some point have a cameo done by them for my sisters because we're all into it and i think i'm gonna like theme it a thing of like where you know like how does it feel to have the best big sister you know like do you ever feel inferior because of her amazingness something like that whatever i just would love for them to do something like that at my behest and i think my sisters would get a kick out of it if they don't oh maybe they'll forgive me maybe they won't but either way, I'll get a laugh. But yeah, they're they're on TikTok. Um, they don't have like the mean gays account, so you have to go into their into their TikToks and their their reels and look for them. So Aaron Goldenberg is at Aaron Gold Goldie Boy G O L D Y Boy, and Jake Jones is 
at J Jake Jones. So two Z's at the end of Jones where an S would often be. Their latest one is them at a premiere for for the Mean Girls, the new Mean Girls movie. And it's hilarious as all of their TikToks are. Okay, I I know of this TikTok account, but when you first said it, I was thinking gaze, like when you're gazing upon someone, and I'm like, oh, oh I've never heard of this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just somebody making TikToks of staring meanly into the screen. It's terrifying, and it always feels oddly specific to you. It's awful. I was like, this is interesting. I haven't heard of this. Uh- <laughs> no, the G-A-Y-S, the yes. mean gaze. Yes, because I've I've seen their TikToks before. So now I, but when, because once you started describing, I'm like, oh, okay, duh. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, maybe there is an account like that. There probably oh, is. sure. The gaze. We, we could start one. We could start, we could start one. <laughs> yes. Or you're like just, you know, innocently scrolling through on your FYP and then somebody, some, somebody's like mean mugging you and they don't know you. And you're like, why? What did I do? Then you start to feel anxiety. And then you're like, oh, wait, maybe it's not about me. And it's not because this is a person you don't know. But then you scroll by and you're like, oh, I feel such relief. And then a few days later, unsuspecting, you run into them again. It's just a brand new mean gaze. Get on that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, enough, enough with like the positivity TikToks, please. Like enough of the building you up TikToks. The the girl, you're doing great, no matter how you're actually doing. You're doing great. No, this one will just be me staring at you and being like, but you could be doing There's better. There's too much positivity on TikTok. Too much, too much, Paul. Gotta, too gotta much. Take it out down a notch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I, I am assuming Paula doesn't go on TikTok that much because Paula never responds to the bazillion DMs I send her. I'll go for like stretches of time where I don't engage on that. And then you're going to get like a flurry of responses all in like one go <laughs> from something you sent weeks ago. They're all Dean Winchester, everybody. So it's not like the most important TikToks, okay? <laughs> I just don't get around to TikTok very often. Yeah. Man, is it was well, it's such an addiction for me now that I'm like I don't understand. <laughs> I know it's like like the way that I used to be on on Twitter where yes. I was on it constantly, and I couldn't understand why people didn't get references from Twitter. I'm like, but somebody just tweeted that like four hours ago. Where have you been? Catch up. That's exactly what it is. It is. It's exactly <laughs> like t- the t- the good old days of Twitter. That's what TikTok yes. is like for me now. It's like I love TikTok. <laughs> it's yeah. It's kind See, of I. I, I need to get onto TikTok more. But Paula, other than avoiding TikTok, what are you into right now? <laughs> well, I am I am deeply ensconced in my Dean Winchester everything viewing <laughs> everything. Yes, like I can't even find the word, just all of that. So while I'm wa- going back and doing my supernatural rewatch, I, I can't just sit there and just watch something. I have to be doing something else as well. So I like watch supernatural and i play video games because <laughs> why not <laughs> i love that <laughs> I, I i i think i've mentioned it before i started playing again disney's dreamlight valley because it's it's one of those like farming simulation type games with there's quests and stuff so i can just sit there and kind of just play that but pay attention to dean you know do do a little of this and pay attention to that so it's the best of all the worlds. No, right? I mean, if you love Disney, <laughs> it's got a bunch of the characters, and they just did a a, a new DLC um, that opened up a whole new 
area, which I haven't even gotten to yet because I'm not finished with the first part of the game. So because I'm very slow at it because I'm paying attention to other things. But it is it is a fun kind of chill game. There's not, you know, there's not any violence in it because you're just running around doing quests and helping people and making everybody happy. And it's cute and adorable. And it's got all your favorite Disney characters. So that's what I've been into while I'm in my Dean Winchester research phase. Phase that's going to last for <laughs> forever. I'm never getting out of that phase. <laughs> the two of you are going to be like the foremost experts on Dean Winchester. <laughs> I can't wait for the eventual book to drop. I know. Along with Susie, the three of us are going to be like invited. Yes. Onto like... I can see it now, Paula. We're going to do special panels at conventions. Yes. And we're going to have. I'm putting this out there right now. We're going to have Jensen on the podcast. Holy crap. I. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just putting it out in the oh universe right now. I can't wait to see the three of you not be able to function. <laughs> it's like technical difficulties, but it's just the, it's just the three of you not being able to speak. Wait, we're just going to sit here. You go ahead and talk. <laughs> but I don't have any questions. Can you please ask me something? No, we can't. We're so sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, yes i have a question like how'd you get some hands oh my god <laughs> that would be me that would be me this is why i'm not one of the, the the people on the show because i think of i i can usually like get over my nervousness from interviewing people that i may have like admired you know that i already previously like really admired and then i got the chance to interview them because i've had a couple of those experiences like you know when i went and um there's there's so many of them. Sorry, everybody. Everybody's name is escaping my brain right now. But there's been a few that I was like super nervous the day of. But then I've been able to just completely just be like, OK, I'm just going into this with the approach that we're this we're just two human beings talking. And it is funny because that nervousness will go away. And I think that's because and it becomes natural. And I think that's because when you're in a situation like that, when you're interviewing people, you're treated very differently than in a fan experience. And I think that's where the difference comes in because you're treated as like, I'm not, I'm not saying like people are horrible to you in a fan experience, but you're treated as a colleague almost and you're helping them be promote themselves. So you're kind so they want to be there for you. Like the most nervous I have been of anyone I've interviewed was when I interviewed Omar Epps. I was so flipping nervous. <laughs> But that went away the second I met him. So, I mean, there was still a part of me deep down that I was like, oh, there's Omar Epps like two feet away from like two inches away from my face, practically. Not that close. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it felt like that. Right. So so I would hope in all seriousness, if we did have Jensen on, that we would be able to kind of get past that i'm just saying this to hype us up because honestly i think there are a couple people that would be that it'd be very hard for me to not be a nervous wreck and he's definitely one of them and i think it's more just because i don't know the beauty of it all <laughs> i think would be a little too yeah. overwhelming totally understand <laughs> i mean i left my purse in the photo op room when i took a photo with him that was two seconds so he yeah. just has that effect Yes. I'm just turning everything serious. Paula knows this because we in our Dean Winchester DM, which we talk constantly throughout the week mm -hmm. in there. And 
Paula sent something about how someone said it was canon that Dean is a narcissist. Absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) But we we were talking about that, and I just got really serious about diagnoses and wrong ones and all this stuff. So I, I that's the mood I'm in my panel. So, but anyway, what I'm into. <laughs> <laughs> well, last Sunday was the Golden Globes, and that's that's what I'm into. But I wanted to watch one of the movies that was nominated that I hadn't seen beforehand, and I decided I didn't want to watch Maestro. <laughs> I'm going to before the Oscars, but I just, I don't know. There's something about that that is not appealing to me at all. So I ended up watching The Holdovers on Peacock, which is a Alexander Payne movie set in the 70s. And it's all about um, a cranky history teacher played by Paul Giamatti, who works at a remote prep school like near and around the Boston area. And he's forced to remain on campus over the holidays with a troubled student played by Dominic Sessa and also Divine Joy Randolph, who is going to win every award for supporting actress. And she plays the school. She works like she's the head of the like cafe, like the cooking pro cafeteria. I don't know what it's actually called, but the cafeteria program and the head of that. And so kind of like a head chef, but not really, you know, and her son uh, went to this prep school because she worked there and he recently died in Vietnam. And so she's dealing with the death of her only child. And so it's all about the three of them coming together. Basically, it's just like a very simple story, which I like these. It's kind of like a character study And these three people who feel very much like they don't belong for various different reasons and them kind of finding a community together and during just the holidays. Some people have said it's an instant Christmas classic. I don't really consider it that, although it takes place in the holidays. But I just thought it was really well done. I liked the performances. I liked the chemistry between everybody. And I thought the script was really well written. It's like a two-hour and something long movie, but it doesn't feel that long to me. I liked the music. And I also it also will make you feel really cold, though. So, you know, for us in Colorado who are going to be dealing with Arctic temperatures for the next few days, probably not the thing to watch right this second. But still, it's uh, I think it's really good. And I do think Divine Joy Randolph does deserve her uh, awards. And I'm really glad she's winning them. And I loved her speech at the Golden Globes. So, yes. So once again, that's on. That's the holdovers, not the peacocks, the holdovers on Peacock. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so Carla, so other than me and the way I am handling this hosting duty tonight, 
what is it in pop culture or fandom that has you excited, upset, thrilled, miffed? Look at my face. Your my miffed. face is not a happy face. This You're is not pissed. a face of joy. No, no. I am hurt. I am betrayed. I am sad. I am also hungry, but that's neither here nor there. That is unrelated <laughs> to the topic, but it is how I feel. I'm also feeling a little bit warm, um, which is just due to my AC not working well in this room. Again, not related. So they canceled our flag means death. And as I have been saying for the last two years since the show came out, uh, it didn't even come out two years ago. It came out in March 2022, so almost two years. And HBO Max, being the complete douchebags that they are, just decided to cancel it. Even though, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but it is wildly successful in 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 the fandom in the on the internet. So it's not like it doesn't have an audience. But this is just, you know, I I have all of those feelings, but I do not feel the least bit surprised because HBO Max has been pulling this crap since they became just Max. And they have been canceling great shows. They have been yanking things off the platform, which is the one thing that I am worried about, that they'll yank the existing episodes off of the platform. And then, you know, we'll have to pirate the pirates. I mean, we'll have to find a way to get to our pirates. <laughs> because, you know, if they yank it off, what are we supposed to... That, that, that sounded more sexual than it needed to. If they remove it from HBO Max... Then where will we find it? You know, like I can't just roll up to Taika Waititi's house and be like, hey, you got any DVDs laying around? Although, no, it's too far away. There are oceans involved. Not going to happen. But we need not only for this show, but like so many others that were removed from the, from the platform. So that only makes me more angry at what they have been doing to, to fans over the last couple of years. All in the name of greed, all in the name of of uh, lining their own pockets more. I was talking to a friend of mine who is in the industry and she has a lot of interesting insight on this. So we were talking about how streamers like HBO Max are taking advantage of certain, I guess, loopholes they can use to cancel contracts and to, and to cancel shows that they no longer want to carry because of hardship, you know, what is it? force majeure. Just like with COVID and now with this, with the strikes, it gives them an, an excuse to drop certain things that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to just drop. And of course, there is such a dearth of very, very gay content out there that doesn't shy away from very queer topics. And with, you know, especially with a non-binary character who is unequivocally non-binary and who is part of the principal cast, where Pretty much all of the relationships are non-straight. Where does the LGBT, LGBTQIA plus community find something like that again? You know, when will we have that representation again? So it, it's for a lot of reasons that it's upsetting, not just the fact that, oh, it's, a, you know, such a great show and everything like that. And oh, my babies. No, it, it has so many more layers beyond that. And it's really, uh, it's really upsetting and disappointing, but again, not surprising. Yeah, and, and I think also the other thing with it, when, when you're talking about them pulling content, because that's been happening with a lot of streamers, is the loss of physical media, because people stopped buying physical media 
And there's a lot of stuff that isn't available on physical media. So there's that importance of it because there's also, and I'd have to research it because so don't completely quote me on this because I'm not positive on all of the aspects of it. But supposedly, and I'll have to look into it, and we'll have to just do an episode about this stuff at some point, but supposedly some of the media that you buy digitally too is disappearing. Like people aren't able to access it. And so that's a worry because I still have a bunch of DVDs, but we still now are have been programmed in a way to just be watching through streaming. And so DVDs and Blu-rays and all of that have kind of gone away for, for some media. Some things you can't get that on that. So if you lose that physical media and if they pull it, you can lose stuff forever. That's the worry and the fear for a lot of people, too, is you're going to lose history. And, you know, Max and, and I'm like, huh, but that's what they are because Max to me is different than HBO because HBO and Showtime, which Showtime is now combining with Paramount Plus. So it's like all of these really you know, these streamer, these streamers and these, um, which they were originally just cable net- networks that actually pushed the boundaries and showed a lot of content you wouldn't get other places. With the fact that so much of it is being canceled and pulled and they're merging with these bigger studios, it's troublesome because that means they might not, the worry is they might not greenlight or give a chance to shows that will show more representation, shows that will push boundaries, shows that are not afraid to show the reality of the world, shows that, you know, stuff like that. Like, I know a lot of people with Showtime, the worry they have with Showtime is Showtime is known to also have a lot of content for the LGBTQIA plus community. And so with Showtime merging with Paramount Plus, the worry is that will stop. And so... It's sad when a show doesn't get renewed, but I, but I do think in this case and a lot of other cases recently, there's so much more to it than just like saying, oh, a show got canceled and, you know, like ABC canceling something or something like that where it's always be canceling. I think it's also there's something else beneath it. Mm-hmm. And I think some of these places like with Warner Brothers just shelving so many of their projects like that are complete. And shelving them and saying no one's going to see them again and basically just using them as a tax write-off, that is very, very, very troublesome. So it's like this thing that was amazing at first, streaming was amazing at first, has turned into something that is becoming as bad, if not worse, than what cable became. So it's just, it's capitalism. It's just the disease of capitalism infiltrating everything. And that's why it's worrisome that with 2B, acquiring all the warner brothers stuff that could that could be worrisome for the fact that someone suggested maybe that means that's the way they're going to get around royalties and another person said you know well that's could also lead to tubi which is a free platform stopping that and not being free anymore so all this stuff is just scary it's just yeah so yeah um speaking to the the digital media when you when you quote unquote, buy your digital media, it actually does say that, that you know, you're, you're not buying it. You're basically, I don't want to say renting it, but you you don't own that. There's, there's nothing physical that you own. Go back to Super, Supernatural. I was watching a, a rewatch previously, and I think there was an issue with the music copyrights. 
And so episodes were getting pulled. And even though I had purchased the you know ability to view those episodes on Amazon, because they were doing something behind the scenes, I didn't have access to them for a period of time. And, and I was seeing something online. Um, I think it was on Twitter. They, somebody was making the joke of, well, I still have my VCR. It looks like it's time to stock up on VHS tapes because, you know, if you want to keep something, you're going to have to find a physical way to have it. Otherwise, it, it could disappear with the way things are going, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, it's it's really sad. Yeah. And the music thing is is happens a lot, actually. I mean, that's why, like, the movie Pump Up the Volume, that's why you couldn't find it anywhere for years. And that's why I was so grateful I had a physical copy of it because you couldn't find it anywhere because the music licensing was so screwy that they couldn't ever release it because it would just be too expensive or too hard to track down all the various artists and all this kind of stuff. And I know, you know, Supernatural, the first season on Netflix has, and I didn't know this. When I first watched Supernatural, I was like, man, this music is awful in the first season. And then I, and then everyone's like, well, that's not actually the music that was there, but they couldn't get the rights to it. And then that changed. And so it's just, so it's all sorts of issues that you run into when you don't have an actual physical thing where you can have like something that you can hold. And the only way you lose that is if you lose the physical part of it or it gets destroyed or something like that. So, yeah. But we'll definitely have to talk about this more at at some point, all the different ramifications of it. So, yes. Okay. Well, Paula, what is one thing in pop culture or fandom that you're excited, upset, et cetera? I'm looking forward to concerts this year. I'm going to quite a few concerts and I'm I'm very excited about them. Uh, A couple of weeks, I'm going to see ABBA Mania, which is an ABBA tribute band. Uh, We went and saw them last year. They were a ton of fun. It's just like a big old party. they they put on a great show. Uh, I'll be seeing the new Kids on the Block concert this summer. They're going to have Paul Abdul and uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Their their shows are always so much fun to to see. And then AGR is doing their first. Um, they're headlining a stadium tour for the first time with their new album, The Maybe Man, which is a fantastic album, and I'm super excited because that's the first time I'm going to get to see them play live. So so a lot of lot of fun concerts coming up this year for me. So. Awesome. Music is great. Wonderful. And I was wondering, you know, I was wondering, I was like, what does DJ Jazzy Jeff, does he still perform? And that just answered my question. I have, I had no (laughs) idea. I was like, this is going to be interesting. (laughs) We're all learning something new. Exactly. (laughs) I have no, I have no expectations for seeing him live because I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. So it'll, it'll be fun. Because I always wonder that because I'm like, because I always wonder that when there's two people, you know, because Will Smith became such a huge star mm-hmm. and he didn't become as big a star as Will Smith. And so I always kind of wonder that with two people that started together and they were like performing together and they had a group together, how the other people feel about that. I'm not trying to start any like tabloid rumors or anything. I'm just saying because I have that power. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I just always wonder that when we, when we talked about the Fresh Prince um, of Bel-Air, I was wondering about that when we were recording that. I'm like, how does, I wonder how he feels because he was part of that show. But then after that, it was like, you know, Will Smith became a superstar and a megastar and a huge, you know, so I'm just, that's just curious. And that's, that's one of the things that I like about those New Kids on the Block concerts because they bring people back that you don't really hear a lot of from nowadays. 
And so it's, you know, so it's, it's a lot of fun to, to see those, those people from, from way back in the, you know, years, years ago. I won't say how many years ago. Cause yeah. <laughs> five, just five, just, years just a couple, just a couple years. See, see how they're doing yeah. now. Just five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I just want to talk about awards shows for a minute. A couple of things about that. First off, uh, as I mentioned up top, the Golden Globes for this past Sunday, uh, they the Golden Globes have changed like their whole uh, the people that are voting on it. They've changed it a little bit. It's still journalists, but they've changed like the voting body. And so people were looking to see how that would change how the awards turned out. I think there were some surprises that you may not have seen on the original Globes. Um, But I want to also just talk about hosting duties and hosting the Golden Globes and monologues. And because I know that monologue was hated by many people, and many people are calling this the worst hosting gig of anyone that anyone has ever, ever, ever seen. I don't know if I necessarily agree and think it was like the worst, but. I think I think what what's wrong here and this is this is what what I've heard cuz I know with Joe Coy my my sister it's funny because before we started my sister's like he is hilarious his stand up is so funny and my sister does not like award shows but she watched the first few minutes of the monologue and she's like I swear he's actually funny this isn't at all what he normally sounds like he's actually really funny and I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying that, that he's not really the roasting type comedian. And so it's a different kind of environment for him. But at the same time, I kind of, I don't know, because I feel, I feel bad for him, but I understand also the backlash and the misogyny there. And of course, he just instantly went, it's the writers. It wasn't me. I wrote the jokes you're actually laughing at. The writers wrote all the ones you're hating on. So I don't know. What I'm trying to say is I don't think we need hosts like this anymore for these awards shows because it takes away from everything. And you can tell that the people there in the audience are uncomfortable. And I think there are some people that can kind of do it okay and can do a somewhat good job at that. But for the most part, most people that host awards shows, it turns into such a roasting thing that it makes people either really laugh or so uncomfortable that you could hear like a pin drop in the whole thing. So I think we just need to do away with award show hosts. And once again, why in the hell are we having Jimmy Kimmel come back to the Oscars? I just, why? I guess he's the safe bet. I don't know, but if you, I don't know, whatever. But let's just do away with it. It's not necessary and it takes up so much more time. And I actually thought some of the presenters that their bits were actually, for the most part, with the exception of that Harrison Ford, America Ferrero, not Harrison Ford, Kevin Costner, America Ferrero one, with the exception of that one, which was so uncomfortable because of Kevin Costner has like a stick up his ass or something. I don't know. I'm sorry. That's the way I viewed it. I was like, get that fucking. Yes, I, I'm not a fan of Kevin Costner, by the way, but just it's just I'm like, loosen up, dude. You're 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 hanging her out to dry here. She's like she's holding this whole little bit together and you're just like. I don't want to be here. I'm like, then just, that's the look on your face. So just go home. You're an actor. Fake it. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, she's doing a good job of faking it. You can tell she's like, I'm here with Kevin Gossner and I feel like shit, basically. It really pissed me off. But anyway, but my big thing here, my spiel with all my nonsense here is 
do away with the hosts of these award shows and just go to the awards. And then the other thing I want to talk about, I mean, we've already talked about category stuff with the Golden Globes, so I won't go on about that. But I want to say with the SAG nominations, my big, huge disappointment that my favorite performance of the year was not nominated, and that was Charles Melton from May, December. And I was shocked and saddened. And it makes me worry he's not going to be nominated for an Oscar because the SAG body makes up like it's the hugest body of the Oscars voting stuff. So, yeah, that's a little just personal aside. But, yeah, let's just do away with the hosts altogether. And let this be the last year Jimmy Kimmel hosts, you know. I mean, it's better than Ricky Gervais. And I want to say, Golden Globes. How dare you give the stand-up comedy award to Ricky Gervais? And I know you were doing that because he used to host all the time, but he was the only one who did. He didn't even bother to show up. So, I mean. <laughs> now, that's funny. That's the first time I've laughed at something <laughs> Ricky Gervais ever did. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, you had so many other great people you could have given it to in that category. So, anyway. That just that just pissed me off. I was like, seriously, did you just do that because he used to host? That's all. That's why you did that. I uh, anyway. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so speaking of, because this happened right around the Golden Globes time, because Taylor Swift was at the Golden Globes because her Eras Tour movie thing was nominated for that award, that that weird award they added, basically, like, let me award people for making a bunch of money. <laughs> I hated that award category. I'm like, this is just so you it's can get more It's the most ridiculous thing. Yes. It's so this is the, the let's give Taylor Swift something to do to bring in more viewers yes. category. Exactly. And also all the other ones that made a ton of money. And, you know, I mean, I was happy Barbie won, but still. But there was a recent, a recent uh, op-ed in the New York Times that was basically, let me see, that says, look what we made Taylor Swift do. And this is by Anna Marks. And this is basically, huh, this stuff just irritates me. This is basically just an op-ed talking about that there, that Taylor Swift, is Taylor Swift dropping a lot of hints in all of her music, in her performances, in her videos for years since she began saying that she is part of the LGBTQIA plus community questioning her sexuality, um, going so far as to saying the colors they were using because that's the bi, bi pride flag. So that must mean she's bisexual, all this kind of stuff. And that led to another BuzzFeed news article from Stephanie Sotario talking about this discourse around Taylor Swift, but also talking about the discourse around a lot of actually male performers and male actors. Like you, there's a quote, in this article that I will link in there, talking about how actually this is the one area where men are arguably treated differently than women, where like 
men's sexualities are sensationalized by the media so much more than women. And that I now do believe that to be true. And a man just has to bend his wrist and be, and it becomes a story about if he's gay. And so this article talks about a lot of people like Harry Styles. It talks about Misha Collins and how Misha Collins, quote unquote, came out as straight after when he was at a convention and he said a joke about being bisexual. And so I just want to get your opinions on this and why or why it's not or the importance or not importance of when people are speculating in media about someone's sexuality. Carla. There's no place for it. Just full stop. It's nobody's business. It is absolutely, I don't care how much you love your favorite artist. If they want to come out, that's their prerogative. If they don't want to, that's also their prerogative. I think it's it's ridiculous that there's so much pressure put on people to declare something so personal. And while it is, while there is an element of helpfulness to seeing somebody who is very public living their life in a way that resonates with you and your experience, that doesn't mean that anybody owes you that quote unquote transparency because it's not about transparency. It's about voyeurism. You know, there is so much more harm that is done by speculation about people's sexuality than the good that may come from outing somebody. Because for one thing, you don't know where this person is in their personal journey. You know, they may still be discovering who they are to themselves. They may not have necessarily like a firm idea of who, how they feel. And by trying to label them one way or another, you're hampering their process and their self growth. The idea that, oh, well, this person was straight and then they were gay and now they're straight again. Uh, bi people exist too. Pan people exist too. But there, it, there seems to be this, this need to categorize people in very narrow boxes and in such a way where people act betrayed when through the journey of their life to discover, oh, hey, there's this new facet of myself that I want to to explore. And suddenly some entitled people think that they are owed an explanation for that? No, absolutely not. And also this speculation and this this constant watchfulness for somebody to be gay or not be gay can be harmful to, to that person themselves in that if they're not ready to come out, if they're being forced out, you know, th this is how, unfortunately, a lot of people are, are driven to anguish and beyond anguish, a horrible outcome, whether they're, they're a celebrity or not. How many people have been outed and eventually take their own lives? Because they didn't feel, either they didn't feel that they were in a safe space or they were bullied and mocked or just any other of myriad of reasons for why that may have happened. And I find it absolutely disgusting that there's even the question in 2024 or in any other year for that matter of whether it's okay to speculate on somebody's personal business. It, it's not for us. It's for them. That's their life. And I think that for people who need to see themselves reflected, you know, by somebody uh, more public than them or who feel the need for that 
um, I guess, celebrity guidance or whatever it is that they may feel. There, there are, I think, a lot of out people out there and maybe, you know, look to them for that. You can't, and I'm not saying like fixate on them either because that's not fair to that person. They're not there to be your anything. They are there to exist for themselves first. They don't owe you anything. They don't even owe you a hello at the airport when you wave to them. They don't owe you a damn thing. They, you know, let them have their headphones on and, and their head down and walk past you. They're not for, for bulk consumption unless they're on the screen. That's the way that I feel about it. But I feel like the most important thing here is that it's not only the discomfort that celebrities are experiencing with the scrutiny, but also the morbid fascination that people have and the expectation that their curiosity be sated. It's, it's, it's simply not your business. It is simply not. It, it, it's not new. It goes back as long as Hollywood and the press and everything has been alive. There has always been speculation about, oh, is this artist gay? Is this, you know, this person, whatever, you know, go back to Oscar Wilde, go back to well be before that. People have constantly been scrutinized and have had their lives upended by this. And yes, we're in a, at a time where there is more social acceptance, but there is still plenty of bigotry and there is still plenty of violence is being enacted, violence being enacted on people who are not living the, the, you know, the, the white heterochristian approved lifestyle. And I think that's what it really comes down to. You are exposing people to potential harm, not just to their careers, which again, I think we're living in a slightly more progressive time and maybe it won't affect their careers the way that it might have 20, 30, 40 years ago, but certainly their, their lives their actual ability to live. So I, I it just disgusts me. Yeah. Yeah. And Paula. Why does it matter? I mean, why does it matter? If if we are supposedly moving towards a society where this is, you know, acceptable and it's it's just a thing, then it should be a non issue. It shouldn't need to be talked about. It shouldn't be talked about. Because like Harla said, it's nobody's business. What people do behind closed doors consensually is their business, not mine, not anybody else's. I don't care, you know, who who you're loving just doesn't matter. It it just does not matter. And it is incredibly harmful, not just for the people that are being speculated about, but it also causes harm to the people that are doing the speculating, especially if they're in a vulnerable place and they're now seeing that this person supposedly has come out as whatever and then they backtrack that or it's backtracked because it's not true now that person is is putting themselves in a place of you know feeling betrayed and feeling down on themselves and it's just it's harmful for everybody involved those types of articles are just so infuriating because we've gotten to a place in media in general where it doesn't matter if what they're publishing is true or not they don't care they just want the clicks they just want the views so they'll, they're, they're, it seems like there's no accountability anymore with with those types of things because they'll just spout out whatever they feel like, whether it's true or not, they don't care. 
because it's, it gets people's attention and that's all they want. It's, it's clickbait is all it comes down to. And if, if, even if she was hinting at things in her music or whatever, it's, it's her business. It's to tell when and if she wants to, whether it's true or not. It's just, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, it's so stupid to, I don't know. It's, it is, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's angry because we put celebrities as a society, we put them on such a pedestal that we have to know every single thing about them. No, we don't. They're still people. Like Carla said, we are not owed anything of their personal lives. What they put on screen or, you know, music or, you know, whatever their art is, that's for our consumption. Their personal lives is not for our consumption. Yeah, just ditto everything that that has been said. And this is, you know, definitely a harmful thing for, for many, 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 many reasons. And it is not our place or our business to out someone. And I just want to read a quote from Sean Mendez, who this has been, he has dealt with this for a long time. For his whole career. I'm not too familiar with his stuff, but he's dealt with this for his whole career. And he said to Rolling Stone, he said that during some of the rumors, he thought, I thought, you fucking guys are so lucky I'm not actually gay and terrified of coming out. That's something that kills people. That's how sensitive it is. And that's exactly the harm that you're doing. Plus, also look at it this way. If you are going after people like this and and the article, the New York Times op-ed was well written. It was it started with something that actually was pretty thoughtful about another about a about a country music artist and all this stuff. But I but underneath that was like this whole like tabloidy exploitation thing of wanting to do something like like under the guise of saying this is a safe space, you can come out now, Taylor, under the guise of that when actually it was just all tabloidy and for clicks and for attention. And the other thing is, though, is there could be some teenager or someone who is not ready to come out yet or is living in a very unsafe environment to come out in and they could be reading all this discourse, seeing all of this, and that could actually do harm for them as well, um, the same way, because there could be s- certain people who they may be getting this attention and then they might say something that might strike another person as like, oh, well, if it's not OK with them, then maybe it's not OK for me to, which I'm not trying to put the onus of these rumors on the person that the rumors are about. I'm just saying that that's also another area where it could be troubling as well. It's just something that you would hope would have stopped by now, but it's not surprising to me that it hasn't. And I think right now it's like people are like, well, we're in this era where, you know, it's it should be okay and everyone's more accepting. So it's okay if we try and out you. So we're just trying to say that it's okay. You can come out now kind of thing. And that's just gross and icky and not supportive. It's not being an ally like you think you're being an ally. It's manipulative. Yeah, you're not being an ally at all, ally at all. Excuse me. So, yeah, and and I and I have thoughts about a lot of the other things on here, and we'll 
definitely we should do like an episode about this sometime maybe we'll do it at some during some pride month or as some topic episode at some point talking about the dangers of that because you know it was a long time ago that people that were in the closet in Hollywood and if there were roles coming up that were like when queer as folk for instance the you know, the american version when that was being made there were a lot of people that were um, that had not come out yet that would not take parts in that because they were worried that because they were taking parts in a show that was about gay men, that that would mean, you know, they they wouldn't, you know, all that fear of coming out. So it's it's a very, 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 very um, co- uh, not complicated, but it's a very. I don't know. It's a it's it's a subject that just really bothers me and irks me, and it just goes into the tabloid thing, and it and it happens every time like a movie comes out where like it's an LGBTQI plus movie, and one of the stars in there is straight, and so every time it happens, they're like, well, this means they're going to come out. When Brokeback Mountain came out, everybody was saying Jake Gyllenhaal was getting ready to come out. And that was the huge thing then was because Jake Gyllenhaal was in this movie, this was the way for him to feel comfortable to come out. And so it's just it's it's damaging all around for for everybody involved. Well, then I've seen instances where they speculate about something like that. And then when it turns out not to be true, they actually get angry that the person is not what they want them to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is just incredibly stupid in my opinion, but here we are. Well, thank you, Carla and Paula, for joining me for this week's episode of Pop Culture and Fandom News. We're going to go ahead and close this one out, and I'll have my panelists say where they can be found and where their podcast can be found. So, Carla. Thank you, Erin. You can find me and the podcast that I co-host with Meg, which is still on a hiatus. We will figure that out later. (laughs) Why rush it? Why rush anything these days? Uh, but it is called Bedwetter Behead Podcast. You can find it wherever your podcasts can be found. And you can find our social media presence on Twitter. We are at BedwetBeheadPod. On Instagram, we are at bed.wet.behead.pod. On TikTok, we are at BedwetBeheadPod. You can find me, my art, and my musings on Instagram and TikTok at Carlatemis or my website, Carlatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A. T-E-M-I-S dot com. Awesome. Thank you. And you'll want to follow Bed Wetter Behead because you want to be able to know the second they come back from that hiatus. That's right. You don't want to miss out on that crucial information that will absolutely make your life better. Exactly. It's just, it's just a guarantee. Yes. And you can go back and catch up on episodes, you know. Erin, thank you so much for doing all of the marketing for me because that is not how my brain works. And I appreciate you doing that. Yes, go back and listen to the old episodes. There are episodes with Aaron in them. That's so true. if you enjoy hearing Aaron on other places, you can go listen to her there as well. Yes, yes, yes. It's a ton of fun. So go follow. And Paula. Hey, hey, Paula. Hey, hey. Where can they find you? Uh, so you can find me personally. At it's my sandbox on all of the social medias. I'm not going to list them because there's just too darn many of them. But I'm there. I don't really post, but I'm there. <laughs> I just lurk mostly and and retweet things. You can also find me on Twitch someday, maybe 
someday I might start streaming that Dream Night Valley playthrough. Uh, that is at Artemis75. That's my gamer tag, A-R-T-E-M-I-S-Z-75. And then new upcoming podcast. I get to actually promote something. Uh, it's a Dean theme pod on all of the social medias. And we'll be, like Aaron said, dropping the uh, trailer for that on the 24th of January, and then the first episode on February 1st. So we're super, super excited about that. Yes. Awesome. Yay. Yay. Uh, And yeah, we'll probably be doing, I don't know everything we're going to be doing, but on January 24th, of course, since that's Dean's birthday, we're going to be doing other stuff other than just the trailer be dropping. The trailer trailer be dropping. dropping. (laughs) That's what those trailers be. They be dropping. They be be dropping. Yes, I'm excited too. I'm very, very excited. So, yes, look for that trailer on the 24th and the episode on the 1st of February. Uh, this is Erin. You want to follow Fergie the dog on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S C H R O E D E R A N D F E R G S. It's long, but it's worth it. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at Fandom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us, Jensen Ackles. We will get prepared. We'll prepare ourselves for being ready for you. Ready for you. <laughs> I like that you will prepare to be ready. <laughs> I was just picturing something really bad. I like, we will make sure we, we never mind. They will be ready to accommodate you in any and every way. Okay, I got to dig myself out of this hole. But but it, but seriously, I, I pride myself. Uh, it's one of those few things I'm like, oh, I actually, I'm really, I think I'm really good at interviewing people. I actually really am. I'm serious about it. So if you would like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there. That'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And while you're there, consider becoming a Patreon supporter today for as little as three bucks a month. You get great bonus content like coming up probably the week this is dropping. I am going to be doing, and this was the random movie off of IMDb, California with a K. So <laughs> I've watched this movie before. So it'll be interesting to hear my take on it years and years later, especially now that I hate Brad Pitt. But, you know, it's an interesting one. California with a K. Serial killer. David Duchovny is also in it. Um, Carla. <laughs> I just say that AKA for AKA the only reason I watched. Even though on IMDb they list the stars of it and he's not even listed. On the star. <laughs> it is so offensive. Like the David Duchovny erasure just will not stand. Will not stand. I was so surprised. I was like, what? I'm boycotting IMDb. I am appalled. Same. How dare they? And if you're if you're listening to this or watching this on the 17th, which is the Wednesday it comes out, make sure to head on over to our Instagram, Facebook, fingers crossed Instagram one works, and YouTube as we announce on Thursday, January 18th at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. The nominees for our second annual Fandom Choice Awards. So you don't want to miss that. Paula could be nominated. Carla could be nominated for several awards. You don't know. So it should be. I I do know with some of the looks. There's some of the looks. Some of the results so far. 
there are certain episodes that are multi-nominees. So, you know, and so, yeah. So you'll want to tune in for that. Um, so Friday, we are continuing our Christian Effing Bale Month celebration with a look at the Western 310 to Yuma. So la- get your lassos ready. Yeah, cowboy. Mm-hmm. It's a little wild and a little strange. <laughs> Never going to do that. Let me talk about Chrissy B on the rain. He's on a horse along with Russell Crowe. You don't got to hear him sing. You just have to hold on. What's so funny about it is that that song so fits the mood of this part. (laughs) But that'll be a ton of fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.